everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today and I have never met, but we do have 52 mutual friends, so Facebook tells me. My honored guest is also a graduate gemologist, and yes, I have to know what that is all about. He worked for Comled from 88 to 1991, and his first season was in St. Lucia in 1988 as a carpenter. First carpenter on the show, shout out. Woo. He met his future wife, which was her first season in Playa Blanca in 1990, and I'm happily to say they just celebrated their 30-year anniversary. From Potomac, Maryland, please help me welcome the one, the only, Lee Siegel. Hey, Lee, how are you, sir? I'm great, Greg. How are you doing? And thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on and agreeing to share your your story. I think I do believe you are the first carpenter we've had on, so this is going to be awesome. I, I feel I feel honored to be the first carpenter, although I did not end my season that way. But that's right. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Looks like you spent some time at the bar there, Lee. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Well, are you ready to light this fire, as the kids say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. So we know St. Lucia, 88. So what were you doing before Clement? And like, how did you find out about Clement? Uh, that's an interesting story. I was working at several different businesses, per se. I was construction, mostly working all over Southern California, building houses with a couple of my buddies and his brother-in-law. Now, was- now can I just ask one question? So you're, it seems like you're one of those annoying guys that knows how to do everything, okay, from carpentry to electrical. So how did you learn all this? Did you learn this when you were really young, how to, how to build houses? Well, growing up as, uh, with a single mother and having to really do things myself when it's funny because my wife says, if something breaks, I fix it. And if something breaks, she buys a new one. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I, the hard, hard, hard knocks growing up had to do things myself, fix things, uh, just got into building things, always like to take apart things, work on cars, radios, just all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I'm, I, I know a little bit about everything. As they say, you know, master of none, but know a little bit about everything. Uh, yeah. And you didn't have YouTube videos to watch back then. You had to, you were, you're all self-taught, right? Exactly. Okay. All right. So you're building houses in uh, Southern California. Is it this point that someone told you about Clement? Well, I was, I was building houses, uh, working all week. And at night I was a, a bouncer at a bar slash nightclub. Really? Used to frequent after happy hours with the, with the construction crew. And we got to meet the, the waiters and waitresses and the, and the managers there. Cause we were there quite a bit. And they were starting to open up a, it was Bennigan's in Westminster, California. It was the first Bennigan's to have a nightclub. So fast forwarding, started talking to the, go ahead. Well, wait, Lee, can I, yeah, because you just dropped, you're also the first bouncer on the show. Now I've seen Roadhouse a million times. (laughs) So is there any, like, could someone as small as Patrick Stwayze ever be the cooler? And like, or or is that like (laughs) some fantasy there? Like, because I've seen photos of you, you're you're a pretty big guy, right? So I don't think many people would want to mess with you, but uh, have you ever seen anyone really that short and and skinny, like be a bouncer? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's in your head, you know, it's, it's the, 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 uh, the mentality that you have. And I, I guess I could back out and and say bouncer slash doorman. I, I, okay. I keep an eye on the place at okay. night, you know, and made sure everything was running the way it should run. And so fast forwarding, speaking to one of the managers there when they were opening up this nightclub, 
I said, you probably need a quote bouncer doorman. He said, as a matter of fact, we do. And so I was the first bouncer doorman at Bennigan's. And that's where I met two of my friends, former XGOs, Jeff Avenetti, AKA Avo. He was the disc jockey for Bennigan's and Jeff Evans, AKA Evans. He was the bartender and we formed a really close bond and Avo went to Turks just on a whim by himself. And he came back and he said, Oh my God, we need to work for this company. And he told me all about, I'd never heard of Club Med before or anything. Fast forwarding a little bit again, he went back, I believe a month or two later, he had such a great time and he came back and he just relayed to us again, we have to work for this company. And they happened to be doing interviews in Los Angeles and we were in Orange County. And I went for my interview and I didn't hear anything. Avo and Evans both got their first season. Avo went to Martinique, I believe, and Evans went to, which was St. George Club in Bermuda. That's right. Yeah. Was it St. George? Yeah. Yeah. That was open then. Yeah. Yeah. So he went, he went there and I am like, what the heck? I didn't get a call or anything. And finally, well, did you, well uh, sorry, during your interview, did you tell them like uh, you, did you tell them all your skills or were you applying for a specific job or you would have been happy to take anything? I would have taken anything. But yeah, as thinking back, you had to you had to put down a, a few of your services of what you were looking to do. And I said set design slash carpenter. And he the French fellow, I forget his name, of course, interviewed me and. It was about, I think, of maybe a month later, I was working at my mom's house with my brother doing some landscaping for her. And they got, a, you know, no cell phones. I got a phone call and it was a very thick French accent. And I'm not going to try to impersonate a French accent. I don't, I don't do that. Basically said, St. Lucia next week. And I'm like, you know, I was like in, not in shock, but I hadn't even heard of St. Lucia. I totally forgot about Club Med and the interview. It just was not on my radar. And I said, he gave me a few details. And I just remember, I went through my, flashed through my head. I said, okay, I have a few more payments on my truck. I didn't have a steady girlfriend at the time. I can sublet my condo that I was living in. And I put the phone back to my head and I said, okay. And I I think in a few days, next, the next, well, it was in a few days, I got a, something in the mail with my plane tickets and everything. And my mom had a, cause I was going to leave for six months. My mom had a big party for me, farewell party and everybody came over and we went to the airport that Saturday or Sunday. And I realized that I wasn't, my tickets were for the next Saturday or Sunday. So we came back from the airport and had another week to, Wait a minute. Are you saying you you screwed up or you you got your departure date wrong? Like you just uh, you were so excited that you went a week early to the airport? Oh, uh, yes. Yes, I am saying I screwed up. I read my okay. departure <laughs> date wrong. 
Okay. Now, now I've, I've flown, like I've been to St. So I, I worked at St. Lucia. So I've flown from the East coast and I found that a horrendous, horrendous flight and, you know, all the time to get. So do you recall leaving from the West coast, like your itinerary? I, did oh, you I, fly? I, I, oh, I well, oh, please give it to me. What was it? Yep. <laughs> LAX to Dallas to Puerto Rico to Antigua, which was my very first taste of the Caribbean. I Puerto, never- Puerto Rico, they stopped you over in Antigua? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Okay. And after Antigua? Antigua <laughs> I, I have to tell this little quick story. About yeah, Antigua. yeah. When we landed in Antigua, of course, the, it was a short layover. So they didn't want you to get off the plane. And you know how the Caribbean airports are. They're really small. And I remember a flight attendant coming through with bug spray, spraying, like sanitizing the, the inside of the plane so no bugs got in. And I asked her how long, she said, oh, about 40 minutes. And I said, can I get off the plane? She said, sure. And I remember walking off the plane and there's a little circular bar right, right by the tarmac, I guess. And I sat at the bar and that's where I had my very first red stripe beer, ice cold Jamaican beer. And it was just, that was like the start of my whole Caribbean life. This is the, the beer bottle is a different shape. It's delicious. Um, there's beautiful women around. There's palm trees and and then got back on the plane and off. I went oh, oh, wait, 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 wait a sec. Are you saying they were spraying for bugs like while everyone was seated in the plane? Oh, yeah. My God. Talk about the yeah. 80s. OK, I've never yeah. heard of that. I've never heard or seen that before. OK, yeah. so I guess they stopped doing that at one point. <laughs> I'm sure, but she would take the, the can and hold it up high and just walk down the aisle. Just one, you know, con- continuous spray. Okay. And while people, was- while, while people were still smoking, no doubt. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good old days. Now, do you recall like how many hours this whole trip took you? You must've been exhausted when you arrived, right? Oh, I don't know. I, I know I left in the morning in LAX and I, 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 by some miracle, I did get to St. Lucia in this, the same day. Okay. But in the evening, uh, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Was, was the chief of village at your uh, arrival? Do you, you recall who the chief was? Oh, you know, I don't, I came, I came between, not really between seasons, but just and when the season had started already and I, and I was maintenance. So, you know, it didn't matter. I wasn't like part of the, the geo team, although I was probably the very first maintenance carpenter for sure. That was part of the geo team, but I, remember somebody meeting me, getting my bags, taking me to my, my bungalow. And I woke up in the morning and I had no idea who to talk to. It was very French back then. I was one of the very few American GOs and nobody spoke English to me at first. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing here? And I found out, I went to the the maintenance area and talk to um, Jean, a very small little French guy. I forget his last name. And basically introduced me to everybody. There was one other American named Jim. He was an electrician, but he was leaving. And I got introduced to my my partner, Swebert Lawrence. He's a St. Lucian. He was speaking Patois to me. I had no idea what he was saying. We became great friends and he showed me everything I needed to know about the, the maintenance area. And then I got pretty much very quickly entrenched into the geo life. 
Now, was this shortly? Because I know St. Lucia must have opened around that time or was it just recently renovated? Do you recall? Like, were you there at the opening or no? This was just. It was semi-renovated. When I was there, I was there for, again, the dates are just Mm -hmm. blur, but I was there for, I think, two or three months and the season had closed. Then I stayed in St. Lucia for over a month by myself. And at that time, I put in all the safes that were in the rooms. You remember the old safes with the with the big heavy lock you drop in and turn? Yeah. The well, I, I installed all of those safes in all the rooms in St. Lucia. I built the outside stage that had that green and white lattice work around the. Oh, really? Bar. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Wow. Um, the railing by the St. Lucia Market and the sign that says St. Lucia Market. I built that. And we did a lot of work on the windsurf shack. We would take bamboo and split it down halfway in the middle and break it apart. And that was like the siding per se for the windsurf shack. We redid the tennis courts. But as far as remodeling, that was all that we really did. And, you know, that, that month went by very, very quickly. I would have breakfast lunch and dinner and then basically just go back to my bungalow and sleep now if you were there like for a month without gms were you still required to work seven days a week we did what we had to do we had a time frame to do these certain projects i'll have to shout out to one of a a, sure a geo i remember i was there for about must have been three weeks and hadn't seen any americans or any other geos just a lot of the locals were there who were fantastic st lucia the the locals and the and the ps and fantastic but i remember riding my bike through the center coming through the you were there right greg you said you were there yes so coming through the reception down the hall past the boutique into where the pool area is i remember riding my bike and i saw a glimpse of this white-skinned woman with long, dark, curly hair. And I'm like, I immediately turned quite around and just introduced myself. And it was it was Veronique who jumped on my handlebars and I gave her a whole tour of the village. And she helped me put in all the, the safes. She would like, you know, line up the holes for me while I drilled. And it was, she was, I think she must've been a hostess. I can't remember what she did, but she was one of the first GOs to arrive. And Shortly after others started to arrive, I was like king because I had been there so long. Most people that were coming were first season and first season GOs and first time to St. Lucia. So I knew where I was like the like the Rand McNally. I was the information guy. I knew everything about the village. And um, that's how I got entrenched so much in the geo experience being in the maintenance because I was like the go to guy. Are you saying a hostess helped you install the safes? I believe she was a hostess. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Oh, so, yeah. Now, when the uh, village uh, opened, were you were you doing uh, seven days a week? And was that hard for you? Yeah, it was. It wasn't hard. You know, it, it's just it's enjoyable. I would basically I would wake up and I would I, I wore these. I remember very clearly I wear these long. I was styling back then with the long shorts not the short shorts but the long shorts they were blue elastic waist and i would carry my i made a, a toolbox like a carpenter box that said usa on the side of it 
And basically I would wake up and have breakfast. I'd walk and hang over by the hostess desk. And when all the reclamations came in to fix this, to fix that, that was me. And I would just have my bike and, I'd, and my little toolbox. And I just, just run around or bike around the whole village, fixing things and you know, no shirt on. I had a super tan, just loving life back there. I had, you know, as you know, no wallet, no keys, no nothing, just my toolbox and my bike. So you and didn't have was, a, you didn't have a white t-shirt with a, with a cigarette pack rolled into it like Schneider. No, you just no, went to, no. uh, shirtless and okay, I'm here to fix whatever. Okay. Did yeah. any, uh, did you have to fix any, were there any weird requests to fix anything? I don't know. Uh, uh, there, was, there, was, there was a few and I was, I was very proactive because I'd hang out by the bar we can get into that in a minute. And um, I'd hang out by the bar and the hostess desk were very close in St. Lucia at the time. So when a reclamation would come in, I would go right back with the, with the GM and, and show me your room. Let's go. I, they didn't have to wait. So I, I, there was one week that I did that for a GM. I went up there, her shower door was like off the hinge or something like that. Or the, 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 the switch, when you close the sliding glass door, you know, it turns the air conditioner on and off, wasn't working. And so I fixed one of those things for her and be, and I did that and I went to have lunch and I came back and there was like five more reclamations. I think they called reclamations back in the day. They, at the hostess desk for the same room. So this one GM obviously was trying to get my attention and I just, you know, I got to the point where I made sure she was like by the pool because I could visually see her and I'd go up to her room and fix her stuff because she was getting, you know, could have got kind of weird. Are you saying she was intentionally breaking things just to talk I, to you? It, it kind of seemed that way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> I always uh, wondered if that happened. Okay. <laughs> now let's do a funny story break. Cause I, I'd like to hear your, uh, your new year's Eve story about the fireworks. If you, I mean, hit all the finer points, but it's a, looks like it's a pretty funny story if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, and it's funny because every 4th of July, I, 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 I replay this in my head. Okay. <laughs> We had a choreographed fireworks display set up on the, in the sand over by uh, shooting over the, the circus area. And they brought in some really big professional fireworks. We had um, a PVC pipe that was buried into the sand with like four inch for these bombs or explosions, whatever. And it was all choreographed where each of us had a number and there must've been about 10 of us doing this. We all had these like, we call them punks or like a sparkler or whatever, something that would stay lit all the time. And the person choreographing it would say, okay, number four, go. Number five, go. It was sequenced with different colors and whatever. And as we started doing this, the first few minutes were really nice. And we just got a squall that came in and the wind started just pushing these fireworks up and over. And they were landing back on us and my pants, my white pants, my only pair of white pants had burn holes all through them. My shirt was bur all burned up. And we kind of looked at each other and just said, screw it. And we just lit them all just right down the line. Do, 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 do. And they were just going off crazy. After said and done, the trapeze net caught on fire a little bit, which we put out very quickly because that was like a main thing of the circus there. Um, a lot of the uh, the mats that you land on, they had burn holes all through them. The grass had caught on fire. It, it was it was something else. And the funny part about it, 
the GMs thought it was fantastic. They had no idea that anything was wrong. And we were going crazy on the beach there. Not really a beach, but where the this, this rocks in the sand where we dug like a trench to shoot these fireworks off. And it was just, it was total mayhem. But the GMs were applauding and loving it. And we all, you know, burnt holes in our pants. And everything just kind of got introduced as shooting off the fireworks. So that was a, that was, that was a good one. Yeah, they thought this was part of the show, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Starting around your your second season in St. Lucia, yeah, 88, 89, you, you move into, is that when you start moving into set design? Yeah, I was still doing all the carpentry stuff. I, and I yeah. started helping, I built the, there was a, a boxing rink that was used in the in the shows for a boxing match. There was? Do you remember what show had a boxing ring? Yeah, it was just a boxing, it was a boxing show. Really? Yeah, it was like boring, oh. it was like it was like the the the, the uh, precursor to uh, the wrestling. Now, I guess. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah, it should have been there. I mean, I was there. I don't know if they took it away or whatever, but we 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 built that, and um, I I I did a lot of the shows. Believe it or not, not a lot. Were you doing the dancing or their comedy numbers? The well, I'm really dancing. We did a we did a Billy Idol White Wedding with. Um, Sean Gleeden. I don't know if you know these names or not. Uh, he was Billy Idol, perfect guy for Billy Idol. Linda Taylor was the white wedding girl in a dress. And I was the guy on the guitar. And I did um, Bridget the Midget with Luis, was a small little super fit guy, but it was like frick and frack, me and him. And so I did Bridget the Midget. I did, I did Carmen. The one, <laughs> my, and we I hope we get into this. My, you know, my my best friend from Club Med is Terry Drummy. We did four seasons together. Uh, he was he was Carmen on top of my shoulders, dancing around on the stage. Was was uh, Terry a bar or chief of bar in St. Lucia? Terry, Terry was bar. Okay, all right. And yeah, can, and, and and Terry, Terry, we all know about Terry. How he, you know, he climbed up the ladder, and I'm. I'm proud to say that I'm kind of a part of that, you know, four seasons together. I, I talk to Terry uh, all the time. We're very, very, very close friends. Just, and that's just one of the uh, byproducts of Club Med, you know. Now, did you uh, follow, did you follow Terry to, because I see, I see you leave the uh, the Caribbean and for some reason you go to the snow, you go to Copper Mountain in 89.90 where you were bar, chief of bar. So now at what point did you say, well, I'd like to try bar? Well, I left St. Lucia and I went to, I went to Tennessee to help my friend's dad build a house. So, and I, again, no cell phones and I stayed in touch with Terry and I heard he was going to Copper Mountain and I called Rod Frankel, who was the uh, human resources in Scottsdale, who happened to be our interim chief of village in St. Lucia. So we all became very, very good friends. And I called up Scottsdale and told Rod, I heard Terry's going to Copper Mountain. He said, yes, he's going, he's going to be a bartender. And I said, I want to, I want to go. And he says, well, who are you to think you can just go? I said, come on, Rod. Long story short, I went to Copper Mountain uh, as a bartender, never bartended before, but and I remember the first day the, uh, the GM, the bar, we opened up the bar and the GMs came up and I'm a little nervous. And the first GM said, can we get two Coors Lights? I'm like, well, I can do that. 
And I just, just like, not to tip my own shoulder or anything like that, but I, I pick up things very quickly. I, I, I just started flinging drinks like crazy and just, 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 just natural for me. So then I did the season in copper and Terry had left copper. I don't think he did his stage, but they needed him somewhere. You know, they had him, they already had him pinned for chief of bar and, and all his other positions. And so I kind of became the interim chief of bar at Copper Mountain for a while. And I don't can't remember if Terry came back or not. And well, well, that's pretty good. You went from bar to interim chief of bar in the span of one season, right? Yeah. Now, were you being a Southern, a Southern California boy, were you uh, excited about being in the snow or you didn't care because you're mostly inside all day? Oh, no, I, I, Southern California, we used to go up to, we'd go skiing every, every winter up to Mammoth and Big Bear and okay, I skied. Yeah, I totally skied. So I was pumped about that. Okay. Who was your, uh, who do you recall who the chief of village was at Copper Mountain in 8990? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not good with the, with the accents or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Uh, Christian, Christian my, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Okay. His wife was Monica and they had the little, little baby with them, little boy, I think. Uh, but Christian, Christian, he was a great, he was a great chef de village. Any, uh, any memorable things happened to you in, in Copper? I mean, I do, well, I do have, you did, uh, you know, tell me about one story. I'm curious, like, I do not know what a scorpion bowl is. So maybe if you can oh, yeah. tell me the story that goes, well, describe what a scorpion bowl is. I've never heard that term and uh, the story that goes along with it. Well, a scorpion bowl can be a, a few things, but it's normally in a uh, Asian themed restaurant. It's a bowl that has like a volcano type center to it. Is this a drink or food? Is this a drink or food? Oh, it's a drink. And okay. With about, you know, five straws and it's got every type of rum in it and every other concoction you can imagine. Really? So you're talking, there's like maybe five different things of alcohol in it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds strong. Is it true? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> what right. you do back in the day with a scorpion bowl, you, you know, if there's, Four of you, three of you, five of you, y'all have a straw. You put your straw in there and they're the big straws too. They're not like a little wimpy straw and you all go stick your straw in there and you just start to suck. <laughs> you just it's suck a, it's it sounds time. like one, one of these is, is enough. Like you're good to go for oh, the yeah. night. Am I right? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was, uh, that was after we went to O'Shea's, which is a little, little nightclub, little bar down in the, in a basement of one of the hotels there. And we listened to some live music and, you know, get, fired up there first and then go have our scorpion bowl. Now, was it your idea to play broom hockey in the center of the village that one night or someone else? <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of things that we do in the villages, we, we, we hear from the village be, the season before. Oh, you okay. got to do, do that. So I'm not sure if it was my idea or just a thing to do, but yeah, we would, uh, you know, at least one or sometimes two scorpion bowls. We would get on the ice there in the little center of the village in our sneakers and jeans and get brooms and get some sort of ball or a bottle or something and just think we're hockey players and we would get just bumped up and bruised and I, I remember waking up the next morning sometimes when the ski patrol would pound on our doors to do a powder run I'm like no not not today just so bruised and bumped up from snow now, what do you what, what do you mean like they uh, the ski patrol wanted you to test the slopes is that what they mean by powder run yeah, they would they would take us up in the crack of dawn and up in their snowcats 
and it'd take us up to the top of the of the runs there and we'd ski down in the fresh snow and we'd ski down to the next lift line and we'd have to basically um, turn sideways on our skis and just just pack down the snow lines because so people wouldn't trip and everything like that and then we get to ski down to the next one so we just used to call it a, a snow patrol powder run okay <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound like um fun when you're hung over i'm guessing right no okay no. <laughs> got it well it's i guess it's a good way to sober up quick with the, if it's cold out okay <laughs> true I see you work next in a, a village, who, which is a favorite of many, many people, Eleuthera, and uh, you're with the one, the only Mike Coltman, chief of village, correct? Right. right. And this was 80, I guess, 89 uh, that you were in Eleuthera or 80 or 90, uh, 89, 90 still? Because no, I know from I, I Copper, you go I to Eleuthera. I don't okay. remember, you know. Okay. Was, but, but, but Mike Coltman was there, right? Mike Coltman was there and, um, and, and Denny. Amsalam came in. To come. Oh, Denny, Denny Amsalam. Yes. That was the changeover favorite. season and I was there. One of my favorite chiefs, Denny Amsalam. Okay, yeah. great. All right. So, so is Luther as beautiful as everyone says? <laughs> oh yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. We're going back next month for um, really a big group of us, about 15 of us going. All yeah. XGOs? All XGOs and, and friends and family of XGOs. To, to Eleuthera? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, oh, that's we're great. very excited. Now, so Eleuthera, you're back into the, the Caribbean there. You must be happy after a season in the snow. Yeah, I, you know, I I, I think I belong in the Caribbean. The yeah, Caribbean, we, we all, we all do, Lee, we all do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just, in my, it's in my blood, and it must have been in my blood before Club Med. And you were doing uh, a bar there? I was doing, I was doing bar. Is Terry back with you? Yeah, Terry was back with me. I can't remember if Terry came back to Copper Mountain after he left or not. But we went to we went to Eleuthera and Terry was chief of bar. I'm guessing by then you're a pretty good beverage concoctionist now, right? Oh Fancy yeah. Fancy word yeah, for yeah, what was your? Did you have a go-to drink? Did you have like one that you were good at making? Uh, um, you know, most of the GMs would come, especially the, the Caribbean, and do the Goombe Smash and uh, you know the typical drinks. And I actually won the best Goombe smash in the Luther down in governor's Harbor when I was there. So I was kind of proud about that. I, I beat a couple of Bahamians in their, in their, in their drink. Okay. Uh, Did you have to do any flair stuff like in the movie cocktail or you, no, this was just no, a straight, a straight, no. the, whatever, whatever drink tastes the better wins. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. I think people come to a bar to drink, not to, to watch. Okay. So, so, yeah. so again, the movies, Tom Cruise and cocktail, that's, that's not, really what really happens right well, not, yeah, not by me for sure okay. all right i do want to jump to playa because playa is one of my favorite villages and this is where we said in the opening you met your your wife in playa and i think yes. that's a pretty pretty good story so if you wouldn't mind telling us like when you first saw her and then what because i think you guys agree or disagree about her ac unit right okay yeah. so if you wouldn't yeah. mind uh i guess i don't know how long after you arrived that you saw her I, I arrived in Playa. This is ninety ninety one, I believe, correct? Yeah, ninety uh, November of 90, 1990. Okay. And I was there again. The season had been the village had been closed prior, so we had to get everything ready for the GMs coming. And for some reason, again, I was one of the first GOs to arrive. Got to the bar and got the bar all set up, and then. 
I remember Lisa showing up. I had breakfast with her and she was with all, she arrived with all the, the chef de services that, God, I can't, I forget their names. You know, whoever's in charge of the kitchen, charge of the bar, charge of this and charge. Sorry, of what was, what was her job, Lee? Lisa's job? Sorry. Lisa was a hostess. Okay. Sorry. Go on. She was a hostess. And so when I went up to breakfast, she was with all these head honchos. I'm like, and I just noticed her. I mean, I just, just, it was not to sound cliche, but you know, love at first sight. And, but she was with all these head honchos. I'm like, I don't have a chance here. And lo and behold, I remember she was, uh, I, again, I don't remember time frames, but maybe a month after we were there or two months, I don't remember. She was sitting near the bar, kind of looked sad, reading a letter. And it was like a, you know, a dear, dear John letter. I think she might've showed it to me. Her boyfriend broke up with her from back home. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, this is, a, it was like a perfect storm. And she would, uh, her air conditioner unit broke, just broke. Someone said there was a stick stuck in the middle of it or something in the unit outside. And I have no idea. Wink, wink, wink. No, I just don't know. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I worked in the bar. So I would, I would usually get back to my, my room two or three in the morning. So I said, go sleep in my, my room. It's ice cold. I mean, I had, it was just ice cold. So she went to, um, after she finished her hostess um, duties there at the nightclub and I had to stay and clean up everything and whatever, you know, the hostess would leave always before everybody else. So I said, go, go, this is my room number, go, whatever. And so I, I finished my job and I go to my room and she's in my bed. And I didn't think she was going to go there. And I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, you kick her out and say, so, good night. <laughs> Just kidding. So I, I, I jumped in my bed and it was that was the beginning of, of everything and she had a really bad migraine um one time and i took care of her and we just it was just it was it's so organic and okay. we've, been, we've been together ever since okay well first congrats for that okay you. on your 30 years now uh, now were your friends okay now so i i went to playa in 96 97 and playa is a very big uh singles village okay uh -huh. so did any of your friends think you were a complete idiot for getting a girlfriend shortly after you arrived in playa blanca or maybe it was different back then i don't know 1990 91 well, uh, yeah it was no you know you didn't have that much contact when you went to a village you know, for six months, you talk to your buddies back home maybe a few times because there was, you know, there was no internet, no. Social. No, oh no, I meant the geos in the village. Do they oh, think the you were? Yeah, did they think you were crazy for getting a girlfriend um, like immediately upon arrival? No, it wasn't immediately. I mean, it was like no, they didn't know because it but, was. But you said this was a love at first sight. Um, it was a love at first sight for me. To, to, okay. To me, I didn't go spreading around the village. Oh, I'm in love. I'm in love. Okay. But it was um, no, it wasn't shunned upon at all. And actually, uh, oh, you were allowed to be in couple. Well, you know, you know how it is. You, you oh, just don't make a don't advertise it. Exactly. Who was your chief then? Do you remember? Lafis. I forget his last name. Greek. Okay. Yeah. Um, short little, short little Lafis. I I had a great relationship with Lafis and his his wife Mickey. She ran the boutique, and they they knew that Lisa and I were together. And he had a little talk with us. You know, not in front of the gym. So like, no problem. So that, that was, that was really, that worked out really well there. And it, there was a funny story when Lisa was doing the, uh, the welcome speech in the, uh, 
you know, right next to the bar and playa, there was the little the atrium. There was like an outside stage part thing. Yep. She would do her little spiel there. And I'm walking from her room with her like three pillows, her teddy bear, and like a bag of her clothes. And she's trying to do this speech while I walk like right past everybody. And she knew I was, she was moving out. She's moving into my room. And she had to uh, stay focused on her speech. And um, okay. yeah, we, we lived well, live together. Well, you walked by with all her teddy bears. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they have so many teddy bears? Okay. <laughs> just one teddy bear. Okay. Oh, just one. Okay. Now, did you like uh, Playa? I, I loved it. Most most geos I speak to love, you know, the the layout of Playa. So, did did you like the layout? Yeah, Playa was great. As we, you know, it, it forces you to know everybody because it, you know, the the way it's set up, it's not spread out at all. And yeah, I love I love Playa. I love what I did there. I love all my coworkers except for one. We won't we won't go into that. Oh no. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I always liked Playa because it's for, I've never seen a better happy hour scenario because the po- the pool is right by the bar. And at five o'clock, I know when I was there, they drink cowbells. So everyone went. So that there, I've never seen bigger crowds at happy hour, like more than I did at Playa in 10 years at Clement, because I thought it was, uh, since everything was so small and so centered, it was the perfect spot for happy hour. Would you agree? I would agree. And also the, the bar, you know, was a, a big, huge oval per se. That's right. Yep. So you could walk all the way around the bar and not be like in, in the Luthra, the bar was right next to the pool and the ho- and the main restaurant as well. But it was one-sided. So there's a lot of stuff going on. In, and can I tell a really quick bartender yeah. story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, yeah, tell your story and I have another bartender question. So we were we were really busy and i don't know if it was during we had two groups come in we had alcoholics anonymous come in and we had alanis come in Uh, alanis is a a, was an organization that started for gay men where it was able they were able to go on a uh, resort together and not be ridiculed which is just awful to think about in the first place Um, live your life the way you want to live your life so they came they came to our club and we had a great time. And I think it was during that week when we got so busy at the bar, I asked Lisa, I said, Lisa, I need your help. And she's behind the bar. She's flinging out margaritas and pina coladas and virgin congas and all the other drinks and this and that. And she comes up to me, she grabs him, she says, I don't know how to make a drink. And this person's being really adamant about this drink. And I'm like, what is it? She says, this is Johnny Walker Black on the rocks. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I know that one either. Oh no. I said, okay. let's, let's make it together. I mean, I'm, I'm ad living a little bit, but basically, as we all know, it's a glass with some ice and Johnny Walker black. That's right. Okay. We talk about that all the time. Did you get slugged? Did you, did you get slugged for that? Okay. okay. No, no. Okay. Well, yeah, I was, I was curious as a bartender, did any GMs come in like at, at any village and say, and like tip you right off? right off the, the bat, like on their first day and say, so then you knew that, okay, I serve this GM first. Does that ever, did that happen? Um, there was a, there was a couple other couple like that. There was one guy, and I remember his name. I think he was from Canada. His name was Bruce. Came by himself. Nice guy. Wasn't just, just there to relax and have a good time. And he always drank Bacardi, Anejo and Coke. I, I, I remember it. And so I'd, I'd hook him up when he'd come to the bar. Like you said, I would have one ready for him. And at the end of uh, when he left on his departure, he gave me a book and I forget the book. 
and he said something about chapter seven is the best in this book. So I, of course, when he left, you know, immediately opened up chapter seven. There's a fifty dollar bill in there. Nice. And that was it. Was just nice, and I, you know, it, it it was nice. But you know, you don't tip when you're in Club Med. You know that. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We don't certainly work for tips, and we're just there to make everybody yeah. really happy. Well, the smart ones would leave it for you after they've left at the reception. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. say no. Um, yeah. All right. So I see you go to Punta Cana, 91. Does Lisa go with you? Yeah. Okay. So you're, had, um, well, you're chef a bar and annex restaurant. I well, see. that's, it's sort of, yeah. we left, um, when we left Playa Blanca, Pierre, Pierre, not Pierre Grand, Pierre Gagnon, Letier. Oh, Letelier yeah, Gagnon. Ah, yeah. He, okay. he was our chef de village because Lafice had left and go back to the European zone. So we had, we left and Pierre took a lot of his team to Punta Cana. And we came back home, flew to Orange County, Lisa and I, and then we flew to Maryland. And I went, I left first to Punta Cana and I didn't have a, a service yet because there was a chef the bar, her name was Sarah, not Sarah Abrams, who I did many seasons with and very close friends, but another Sarah was in charge of the bar there. And I was supposed to be chief of the bar. And so there was a confusion. So I was there and then Lisa showed up a few days later and they, they had me do Annex restaurant. I'm like, All right, you know, food and beverage, no problem. And they brought in, rest in peace, they brought in Nikos to uh, basically do a kind of on-site stage for Annex. And he tried to explain to me the fine arts of wine and this and that. I don't drink wine. I'm a beer and rum guy, plain and simple. And I don't like fancy things. I don't like to be served with the cork on the side and the, the, the towel over your arm. And he tried to break me. And it was a, a, a couple of weeks. And he's like, I give up you're not you're not he wasn't mad he's just like you're not this guy you're just not this guy and they brought someone else in to run the annex and i helped out but i didn't do the the wine and all that and so i bounced around punta cana between the bar and and the annex restaurant and kind of freelanced for a bit and had a great time because i didn't really have to be anywhere and the bar got busy i jumped behind the bar when the annex restaurant got busy i would help out and in the kitchen, I, you know, I love to cook. And so that was, that was my, uh, my job in, in, in Punta Cana. I know you've mentioned uh, Terry Drummy and uh, Lathis. Now, was there anyone else that, uh, that you enjoyed uh, working with? That you got along great with? Oh, I got, well, I got along with everybody except for, for one. <laughs> we won't, we won't go there. No, no. Let's shout out, let's shout out the people you did like. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's just, just so many, there's, you know, with back to the, to Eleuthera, doing a, a, a the changeover season, I, I met a lot of GOs briefly, and I see pictures of us together in, you know, on Facebook. I'm like, oh my God, I was there with you. Uh, um, but, you know, to, to, other than my wife, Lisa, you know, Terry, Terry was my, of course, my go-to guy. We were always there for each other. We did like four seasons together. And it was just, you know, if, if, if you had asked me, who's your, you know, your, your best contact or friend or whatever, yeah. and other than my wife, it's, it's, it's Terry Drummy. 
just had great times. And, and there was uh, another bartender in um, Yannick, Yannick Henry from Belgium in Playa Blanca. He now, I think he's part owner, but he's uh, at, at down in Turks, ne right next to Terry's restaurant, Hemingway's, um, at the Bay Bistro, Beach Bistro, Bay Bistro. So we, you know, we go to Turks, we go to see Yannick and it's just, it's great having these contacts all over the place. And Leanne, um, she now lives in Greece. She bought a house in Greece and, you know, we're going to definitely see her when we go there. And hadn't it been for Club Med, I wouldn't have had these, uh, as we all know, I'm not, I'm not the, the oddball here. We all know the relationships and people we met through our, our seasons. There's just, you can't get that anywhere else. And it's fantastic. Okay, let me ask you a current day question, and and then I'll, I'll go back to Club Med, okay? Because I I mentioned in your intro, you're graduate gemologist, so you can just briefly tell me what that what that is. Well, I as as a as a kid, I always like to dig in the dirt with a magnet, get out the metal pieces, and find rocks and break them apart, and just always love crystal structures and 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 whatnot. And when I met Lisa, her family happened to be in the jewelry business from a generation before. Her grandparents started a, a big pawn shop in right outside of Washington, D.C. And then they moved it to Arlington, Virginia, National Pawn Brokers. And I, I basically ran that for many, many, many years and was challenged with people bringing in gemstones, diamonds, Rolex watches, and I had to learn very quickly to make sure that what they were bringing in was legit. So I started my schooling with GIA, Gemological Institute of America, got my degree in 1996, became a graduate gemologist, and really shot up the ranks pretty quick as far as my gemology knowledge. There's, it's ever-changing world with, with gems and diamonds and, and Rolex watches, um, counterfeits, synthetics. So I'm pretty well-respected, again, not to tap my shoulder, pretty well-respected in my area here. I've been doing this for 30 years now in the, in the Maryland area here, own my own business. And just everybody knows me as a gemologist. And I just still have a love for, for, for gems and, and, and jewelry for the most part kind of cool because a lot of XGOs call me up and say, Hey, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Or I'm, I'm going to buy this. What can you tell me about that? And I'm, you know, I'm always willing to, to share my knowledge with anybody. How fast can you tell a fake Rolex from a real one? I, I've heard you can tell just by the weight in your hands. Is that true? Uh, not anymore. They're, they're, oh. ident they're identical. They're, oh, they're really? Very, very slight differences. What do you look? Really what do you? What do you look for? In um, a fake. In a fake the, the overall finish of a of a Rolex watch. If you take the band off, the the, the finish within the lugs, uh, within the clasp, the way that the pins and and screws are put in, stuff like that. If there's any quality control issues, it's just not a Rolex. Are you still I, impressed I, by the by the replicas? Like. I mean, oh, yeah. now, now that oh, they've yes. adjusted yes. the weight to, okay. Yes and no. I mean, okay. if somebody can make something like this, somebody else can make something like this as well. Yeah. So it's just, you know, there's more, there's more fake luxury watches 
out in the street and market than there is real ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I spent some time at club meds in Turkey. So yeah, I have, I have my fair share. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's get back to club med if that's okay. Uh, What are, what are the, uh, you know, what are the three things you miss the most about club med looking back? In in no particular order, the atmosphere of the, of the villages, the, the GMs and the, or the GOs rather, and the meeting and the GMs as well, meeting, you know, people from all over the world is just, you can't get that anywhere else. But the overall vibe of a, and, and I, would, I just want to back up one second here. Sure, sure. I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, what's your best village and your worst village? And, mm-hmm. you know, the team was great. I, I, I guess I was fortunate to have a fantastic team every one of my seasons. Everybody was great. There was just, there was not one team that was better than another one because everybody was in, in, in my situation, everybody, every team was great. Um, so I, I miss that. I, I miss that. It's just something you can't get anywhere else. So my, you know, the three things, I, the villages, you know, the, the, the geos and the jams. That's what I, that's what I miss. Are you still fixing Lisa's AC or she, she's got that under control now? Well, now that we've been married for just about 30 years next okay, month. She doesn't have to break I'm, anything anymore, right? Okay. I'm, I'm fixing, I'm fixing our AC. <laughs> that's right. That's a key word. Well, all right. Yeah. You want to try some rapid fire questions? Uh, sure. You have a favorite crazy sign at all or like, uh, or a song that you hear now and you're automatically like, whoop, brings you right back. Uh, uh, hands up. I mean, that's gotta be okay. the, the number one, what puts me right back in the village. Did you ever like have a favorite animation passage that you saw an animator do uh, that you remembered? Like, Hey, that's hilarious. Uh, in any of your seasons. Um, it's so much of them. I mean, I, I guess the, uh, the water skiing one with the big bucket of water and the oh yeah the uh, ping the, pong ball with the egg at the, the bar end, game uh, okay <laughs> and the uh, the one with the plates with the with the marking on the back oh uh, yeah the black uh, like the cork they would take the cork yeah, exactly. and then yeah, plate those, it all those are okay. just, I I tell those stories sometimes and people crack up that you used to do that I said yeah it was just funny to watch did you meet any celebrities your whole time there any, um, any I met yeah I met Arthur Ashe in Eleuthera. Okay. I, I don't know if he was sick at the time. He was, he, I don't know if he was with his wife or he was very quiet and he sat by the pool and just, I don't know if he played tennis there or not. I, I don't, I went up to introduce myself and just, we had a, just a, a quick, you know, five minute conversation. I met when we went to, we went to uh, Playa Rosa from Playa Blanca. We took kayaks over to the Playa Rosa beach, which is around the corner. And we were, as we launched our kayaks on the beach there, Billy Joel was there with Christy. Was it Christy Brinkley who was married to back in the? Uh, yes, thing? yes, the, the, the model. They were, yeah. they, were on their, they were on the beach with their daughter at the time. Oh, nice. Um, other than that, other than that, no, no, no other, no other celebrities other than, other than my um, geos I worked with. They're all celebrities. That's right. Yeah. Some of them actually, yeah, <laughs> became legends too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you, uh, when you arrived, like, did you have any, what I call club med culture shock since you were from California and went to St. Lucia and you were with a lot of Europeans, was there any um, kind of a club med culture shock that you? Uh... Oh, definitely in St. Lucia. When I was, you know, say the whole team was French, you know, 90% of the, the GOs were French and the GMs were French. It was the time of, of their vacation. 
so I, I felt very, uh, very culture shocked. I mean, you know, the, the women topless by the pool, that was like something I've never seen before. And, and, and that's what was cool about Club Med, learning all these different cultures. I, I, I learned how, I'm not speaking about just French, but Europeans per se, you know, before dinner, they go to the bar and they have their, their recard, their Pernod and their aperitifs. And, all, you know, that was like, we don't do that in the, in the United States. So different, different cultures, it wasn't a shock, but different, different cultures was really, really cool to learn about. Yeah. And since your last season was in um, Punta Cana 91, I'm assuming you and uh, you and Lisa knew it was, was uh, time, time to leave. And uh, I think you mentioned, so Clemed literally changed your life, right? Yeah, it, 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 it did. I wouldn't be where I'm at because I wouldn't have met my wife and um, I wouldn't have learned all the things, but we were in Punta and I didn't really have a service. And we, I I talked to, I guess I talked to Pierre and I said, I'm just not happy. I'm not, you know, I don't know where we're going to go next season. I don't have a service here. I've been with Club Med a long time. I need to, you know, work up the ranks or whatever. And then Lisa and I talked and we just said, you know, we were totally in love and knew we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. And we said, what are we doing here? We got to, you know, unless we're going to do Club Med for the rest of our lives, let's move on. And we left, I remember we left Punta, it was like the, I think the 16th of July, it was right after Bastille Day, we stayed and uh, helped out, and, th- and that was that was it. All right, well, you still get to go back on vacation if you want, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do, I do some of the reunions and stuff like that, it's always fun. What uh, What was your last reunion, or the when? Last I should... reunion, I was, I think it was, the, the, the best one was in 2018 in, in Cancun. Okay. Just, Great group of, of XGOs. We had a great time, but then we went to uh, we went to Turks, I guess in 2020. I don't I don't remember. We actually got duped a little bit because our our flight got uh, we had a, had a kind of semi emergency landing in Fort Lauderdale. We were losing cabin pressure and nothing was wrong. We weren't going to crash or anything like that, but. So we had to stay in Port Lauderdale for a day and the next flight wasn't out till the next later that day. So there was like two days short. And I actually got, I got sick when I got to Turks. I just, not from drinking, just a bug. And I was like, next day I was in my room the whole day and, but I got to see all my friends and stuff like that. So that was, that was our last reunion we went to. Nice. All right, Lee, now before I let you go, because you've been so kind with your time, uh, am I forgetting to ask you anything? I know we cover a lot. Did, uh, did there something you want to say before we uh, we say our goodbyes? Um, if you have, I have plenty of time, so I don't know about you, but there's one story I like. It's a short story. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. let's close it off with one story. Okay, um, so I, I arrived at Playa before everybody else did, and we were waiting to get our our supplies and for the bar and the GMs were coming like in a couple of days and we didn't have any, any margarita mix. We had alcohol, but we didn't have any of the necessities to make these cocktails. So leave it to, I don't know. You were there in 97, you said. Yeah. 96, 97. I don't know if the same um, barbacks were there. There was um, Marciano. His name was Chano. Chano. Short guy, big handlebar mustache. El jefe, no problemo. (laughs) Excellent guy. The whole team, the whole, everybody there was great. But anyway, channel 
tells me, come on, let's go. So we, we go outside the, the, the village with some uh, potato sacks and we came across this, this like open, not open field, this field of trees and they were lime trees. And Chano gets on my shoulders. Thank God I'm big and he's small. He's on my shoulders. I'm holding the, the gunny sack, potato sack, and he's picking limes. And we picked a whole potato sack full of limes and, and like another half a bag of three quarters of a bag of limes or maybe a half bag, whatever. And so I grabbed the big bag and we, it was like maybe a mile or two out of the village. I grabbed the big bag and Chano's like, no, 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 Hefe, no, 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 no. He, he, he was just, it was a, 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 a mutual respect from the get-go with this guy. He grabbed the big bag, put him on his shoulders. I grabbed the little, the little bag and we got back to the village. Hour later, we had like, I had to be 10 gallons of fresh lime juice. And we made, we made the best margaritas for these first GMs that showed up. And we got in trouble because we ran out of them pretty quickly and our, our supplies came in. So midweek, we had this other margarita mix that came in a carton. We put it in the machines and all that. And the GMs were complaining, no, 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 no. We went to margaritas that we, we got when we first got here. So we, had, we kept a little bit of uh, these fresh lime juice and made these margaritas for the, for the GMs. But it was, his, it was his respect for me right away. I don't think he would have done this for anybody else. And I, I, you know, I would go to the kitchen in the morning and get fresh, uh, the, everybody's favorite uh, chocolate croissants. I'd, I'd get croissants and stuff like that. I'd bring it to the bar open up the bar for them and they would have their little breakfast and uh, just respect. And just, I just want to tell that story about how channel really went out for me on a limb, basically <laughs> to, to help me and to help the, uh, the, the village as well. Nice. The great that, story. That's, that's people that I think not too many, but sometimes the X, or the XGOs and GOs tend to forget that their team behind them, the, 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 the PS, the locals that just really keep the club going. And I want to give a shout out to all of them because they're fantastic and they made us the way we are. Agreed. Um, yeah, so agreed. Good stuff there. Thank you for that. Uh, sure. Well, everyone, that was the amazing Elise Siegel. And once again, please, Elise, I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great to, to reminisce again. And, to, you know, it's always in my mind of club med every day is something that reminds me, but having this and, um, I'm very excited to be able to share this interview, hopefully with a lot of my friends that never got to Club Med and they can kind of uh, live the life through my interview of what it was like. So that's so thank you for that. Thank you, Lee. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, bye. Lee. Take care.